All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is my podcast. Ed Asner. Ed Asner. Lou Grant. The amazing, the cantankerous, the brilliant, the fucking awesome Ed Asner. I will be talking to him shortly. Adam Goldberg, who you know from being Adam Goldberg. My friend, my new friend, Adam Goldberg, who I, I've spent time away from the mics with. And his family uh, will be on the show talking about uh, his exciting new film that he wrote and directed. It's called No Way Jose. It's going to be available uh, today on demand. Dig that shit. Okay? He directed it. He co-wrote it. He stars in it. That's the kind of guy Adam Goldberg is. He's, he's awake doing things. What else? Oh, Boulder Theater, Boulder, Colorado, July 24th. Come, Boulder and surrounding areas july 25th at the paramount theater denver colorado come be nice be nice to see you be nice to have you there in my audience okay for those of you who didn't make my shows on this tour uh, most of them anyways uh the gig posters i have some posters there's a, a variety of posters there's a uh, cheaper posters uh just regular gig posters and there's some art prints uh they're all going to be signed by me and they're all now available at wtfpod.com slash merch all the artwork for the Marination tour where there was artwork, except where we sold out, uh, the art is, uh, is available for you. And I'll sign it. And I'll touch it. Not that that matters. Also, uh, what did Smart Mark do when they heard that they were going to pulp the hard, hard cop covers of his book, Attempting Normal? The hardback covers. Well, they were going to get rid of them. They send you a little notice and they say like, hey, you know, your book uh, didn't sell as well as we expected. So we got a lot of leftovers that we're going to turn into garbage. Uh, we'll sell them to you for a nice discount if you want them. Yeah, yeah, I'll take them. I'll take a thousand of those. I'll take a thousand hardcover books that I wrote because I don't know what I'm going to do with them. But I know now it's time to undercut. Let's do it. Let's get rid of some of these books. I'll sign them. Ten bucks for a brand new hardback copy of Attempting Normal signed. I believe I'm selling them for ten bucks. Go to WTFPod.com slash merch. I'll do it. I'll send them out to you. All right? It's nice. They're hardback. It's cheap. It's good. It's a good book. I wrote it. It's a good book. So, oh, here's the other thing. Look, I don't know much about um about uh, bird behavior. You know, I don't study birds. So I got my hummingbird feeder, which I've discussed at length in, different, uh, uh, in a variety of mediums. I fill it up with sugar water, and uh, I let the hummingbirds enjoy. I get them all jacked up on the shit they like, sugar. I make it easy for them. I create little little hummingbird speed freaks with the hummingbird feeder. Cut, you know, it cuts out the uh, the aggravation of having to extract whatever amount of sugar they may get from regular flowers, and you just put the the the, the real shit right in the hummingbird feeder. And this is a hummingbird thing. I've never never seen another bird fuck with my hummingbird feeder. But there's something's going on, man. There's these two birds. They got yellow breasts. They're large birds, and they just cl- they just they they fly and they they grab onto the hummingbird feeder, and it's rocking because they're they're regular sized birds. Hummingbirds are very intense. They're very focused. They're very skillful. They move like no other bird. They're they're probably enviable in the bird world because of their skill set and their amazing stealth. 
So my thing now is that like I don't know what these yellow-breasted birds are that just rock the feeder. They just cl- they clamp onto it with their fucking talons. Is that what they are? Their claws, and they just stick their big dumb noses into it and just drink up all of the fucking sugar water. There's two of these fuckers, and they're just drinking it. Now, be having being being a student of human behavior, I know what that is. That's the uh, that's the bird. Like here, uh, I'll give you a good example. Let's say you don't do drugs, but you live on a drug block, and you see these guys and ladies and and you know, boys and girls going to score their drugs, and you're like, "That's horrible. That looks like a hard life. That looks exhausting." Then one day, shit changes, and you're like, "Maybe they're onto something. Maybe I can be. I can get a whole new point of view on the world if I just go where they're going and get some of that shit." So I'm the way I'm figuring it. Is that these two birds, these yellow-breasted birds, I don't know what they are. Never seen it happen before. I've been here 10 years with that fucking feeder. And they're just grabbing those plastic flowers with their talons and sticking their dumb faces into the bird, the hummingbird, sweet stuff. So I think they're like, you know, you know, life isn't great being a yellow-breasted larger bird. And they were just in the tree one day and they're watching these hummingbirds just dip their nice little long beaks into the sweet sugar water and then just zipping off and flying around like crazy little skillful things that they are and they look like they're they they've got it all figured out hummingbirds they can maneuver they can and they go fast but that's appealing like maybe these yellow birds are like maybe we got to evolve maybe it's time to step it up a notch i want what the hummingbird has i want to get that jacked i want my wings to go that fast so i think that these two yellow-breasted junkie birds are trying to you know they're living a dream. They're self-medicating. They're getting all fucked up on sugar thinking they can be hummingbirds and they can't. That doesn't end well for those birds. Their little their little yellow-breasted hearts are going to explode in midair because I see them out there. They get jacked up on the sugar water and then they just fly around each other trying to fuck each other. I think they're like they're on some sort of wild like junky uh vacation. They're just they're just doing sugar and fucking in my tree. And it, I don't think it ends well. They're going to hit the wall or at the very least hit my window in a, in a sugar-related frenzy, out of control, hitting bottom. That's what's going to happen. That's what I see for those birds. They need help. They need fucking help. Adam, Adam Goldberg came by the other day and we talked for a long time and then we, we trimmed it down a little. <laughs> no, I did we, he come over because he's got this movie out and, and him and I, are, uh, we, we enjoy talking to each other. And I think that we, I think we should start seeing it as a comedy team. So now I bring you, ladies and gentlemen, to the garage, from the garage, at the Cat Ranch, in the hills of Highland Park, California, the comedy team of Marin and Goldberg. What? What'd you just take? What is that? A Polaroid? Yeah, I tried to. I'm trying to get the fucking cup, president cup, in focus, and I got like. How much is that? I, what? Do you, how much you just burn on that one picture? Probably about ten dollars. <laughs> um, so where do you even get that film, dude? On eBay. On eBay. On eBay. Well, did people freeze it? How well, do you're you, supposed to keep it refrigerate, refrigerated, but, but I, I, I just moved all this shit cross country and back, and it's some of it isn't holding up so well. This has happened to be extremely but they, they, expired. No one makes it anymore. 
uh, not this four by five Polaroid stuff yeah. I'm using. Uh, Fuji makes a four by five instant film in a pack. These are single sheets that Polaroid used to make, and the four by five stuff in a pack. Yeah. Um, is you know, is looks much more like sort of normal film. It doesn't have this kind of you know sort of uh, Polaroid quality. So this movie looks very entertaining, but I'm entertained by you. I don't know how other people. Respond yeah, exactly. To it. I, I I have the same <laughs> the same sensation about it. Um. <laughs> um. No way, Jose. Yeah. So it, what did, when does it open now? It comes out digitally, not by default, but actually by design. Do you say that in the press in general? Are you going to be saying that in all your press? It, it comes out digitally, no, not by you know default. What? I just, I just came, I just came up with that. I, you should write it down. I don't think so. I don't think I need to. No, you, you should say that. Like, I just want people to know that I'm choosing to release this digitally. Well, no, because I know theaters for me, are, theaters are fighting for it. Let me let, let, I, let me just explain something to you. <laughs> I I was I, I fought very 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 hard ten years ago when I released my last film, I Love Your yeah. Work, with which you're extremely familiar. You you can I I've I enjoyed it. That was the one with uh, you had a, a a beard in it. No, I'm not actually in that movie, but but close. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, Giovanni Ribisi, who you had on, uh, uh, stars in it. Anyway, the point is, uh, and for what ultimately did I fight for that? For for fewer people to see it. And what did you fight for? Digital I fought, release? No, I fought for a oh, theatrical, theatrical to distribution okay, okay, when okay. when yeah. when all hell broke loose after the film was went to Toronto and my producer at the time. Uh, I have I, I'm sort of known for having uh, quite quite a, quite a lot of post production and producer woes. Um, and really, I, you're known in the film. I'm industry? known in my, the, my living room where people know me. Yeah, uh, your the, wife and your infant yeah, child. Exactly. Know no, that no. you're difficult. <laughs> post no, no, no. Let's be clear about this. Um, know that maybe I make slightly Faustian deals in order to get my films made, and then okay. end up paying a price in the end. Okay. In this case, people love this pineapple. Yeah. Sounds, don't they? No, they love people oh, eating. They love them. the sound oh, of that. They love it. The mm. people are going to be emailing me. Oh, yeah. More eating on the <laughs> mic. <please. laughs> so, anyway. Um, what's the point of that? The point is I fought very hard from a huge, gigantic media conglomerate up in Canada who was trying to wrestle the film away from me, but really to whom my fucking producer at the time had had uh, sort of, without my knowledge, sort of signed all the rights away to, and they were just going to dump it to DVD. And I spent a year and a half fighting to wrestle it back and have it distributed. In court? Through. No, just with kind of representation. Some agents. representation and, and, and a... And a and a threat. At the time, I was involved with a with a young actress named Christina Ricci who was in the film. She also had a clause in her contract which stated that she could take her name off the film if she didn't uh, approve of the distribution so you're agreement. Like, Who's your daddy? Yeah. Well, I basically <laughs> said to this guy yeah. who hung up the phone on me, uh, "If you dump it to DVD and don't honor this theatrical distribution uh, uh, negotiation that we were in the throes of for uh, quite a while." Um, when they woke up and realized that basically they were this fucking newspaper company owned the movie, um, th then uh, she's going to take her name off the film. Not that there weren't other names, but did they're... you discuss this with her? Oh yes, of course I discussed oh, you didn't it. Just with... Say that. No, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, look, I, I got this. <laughs> no, no, no. She was no. She was distracted from the. She movie. was cool. Yeah, no, she was. She was. She was fine. That's when she still liked me. Um, no more. Uh, not even socially. Not in. Life. Oh no, okay, we nice haven't seen her. This is the day we broke up. Oh really? I feel like you had that. I don't know. With one of you, my, my ex second wife. You've never right. No, I haven't seen her. Yeah, me too. And what's crazy is I lived around the corner from Christina for so it took effort for years. Yeah. I mean, you would really it's hard not to run but into But maybe people. if you believe in something greater than ourselves, perhaps that was something was protecting you from God knows what the fuck would happen. Right. Who believes in something greater than ourselves? I'm just saying in general. Oh, if speaking, one like, were to if you if you were to believe in something that transcends mere coincidence, mm. perhaps uh you were not meant to run into her because it would have been a bad situation. Right. Mm. Do you ever believe in that shit? 
I, you, well, you do a little. You're I do. Neuro- I know. I know. Too I know. neurotic I, not to no, occasionally. I, of course. Are you kidding? I mean, I when I'm in when I'm in when I'm in trouble, I pray like a fucking motherfucker. I'm not Bill Maher. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think Bill Maher did say at some point if the plane's going. Or somebody said, "Really, Bill? If the plane's going down, you're not going to pray to God." And he's like, "No." Let me tell you something. If there's well, we've discussed this. We, yeah. we don't need to retread. No. There's the slightest bit of turbulence. My drink spills. I'm playing a guy. Yeah, a guy. sure, sure. Um, so wait, now, No Way Jose, how old is that movie? Well, how old is it in one regard? So when I when we had our interview, I mean, I don't know what you're asking. It's brand new. It's a new movie. I get kicked to the curb. But I'm a guy, I'm about to turn 40. I'm not breaking ground here. It's a guy who's, who's having a midlife crisis. You know, he, he's, he's with... What by all appearances seems to be the perfect balance to his, yeah. n- you know, miserable neurotic way, woman, where woman. Self, the woman, yeah, played by Anna O'Reilly, and um, and I'm not gonna, you know, people say, oh, it's not based on, it's completely based on my experience and my inability to sort of commit, uh, specifically, uh, 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 partly based on, on on even my relationship with 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 my now wife, who wasn't even my wife the last time. But I now, saw but you. since 2013, when he made this film, um, you've you've been able to commit. I have, a, yeah. You're I, married. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm married. You I married her when she was eight months child. pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I married her. Sounds like, hey, 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 I fucking married her when she was eight months pregnant because what you didn't want the child to be born out of wedlock. <sighs> we just thought it would make for a funny photograph, I guess. Oh, uh, it was actually for insurance reasons. Did you take it on a Polaroid? <laughs> you think it's funny, like a Polaroid? You think it's hilarious, don't you? Um, as a matter of fact, I believe we used a Leica. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and so, a uh We did not use a Hasselblad. <laughs> uh, so it, it was a kind of a hypothetical version of what would happen if, like, basically, Roxanne kicked me to the curb. Right. And what would happen, uh, uh, in this case, there's a secret I've withheld. Now, perhaps I passively, passive-aggressively withheld that secret as she later sort of indicts me for doing so in order to not... So she would eventually find it out. She calls it like a, a ripcord I always had. In the, you know, you know. Okay. And so she discovers this thing, which I won't reveal because it's a spoiler mark and right. I really want you to see the film. Yeah. And so so that's kind of the, after the first act, I'm sort of now sleeping on my friend's couch who's got like who's going through his own midlife crisis. Eric Siegel. Eric Siegel and his wife, Anna Belknap, who are actually married in real life and for whom I wrote this. And we shot in their house. And, you know, it was very done in a very kind of friends and family, you know, right. sort of way. Some people are professional actors. Called? Some 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 aren't. I, well, I was about to say Cassavetes, but I didn't want to get accused of being a pretentious asshole, so I went with friends and family approach. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, and so the film sort of flat- weird. It wouldn't be amazing though if your friend was Peter Falk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and my yeah, my yeah my uncle Ben Gazzara. So we did it in a kind of friends and family type of way. Yeah. So uh, anywho, oh fuck, I'm getting that weird, awful pi- pineapple mouth. Jesus Christ! I've never eaten that much pineapple. It's good though, right? No, no, no. I think like Captain Crunch. I don't mouth? know that I'm not allergic to it. Like I don't know that. So what's gonna happen now? I don't know. My tongue feels like it's swelling. I'm not kidding. Is that normal to feel like a tingling on the underside of the tongue? Sure. You're saying sure. Just write it, it out. Write it out. Let's finish. Are you gonna be like? Oh shit! I just drank out of the president's cup. Oh god damn it! <laughs> okay, so this this sounds good. That movie. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. What about our movie? Really? On, yeah. on the air, huh? No, no. I mean, we should just talk about it very vaguely. When do we start working on it? Mark, I, I don't know. Do you I have feel, time? I'm not, I, I have, as soon as this month ends, I have time. The question, I want to, what I want to know is, yeah. is, is, because he, you, you, you're, you're, you're a, I, I want to just talk. No, you, you are a, an, an interesting and multifaceted, I'm going to, I'm being trying to, I'm being nice here, but I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm hemming and hawing because, uh, either you're not going to hear it, or or uh, hold on, it's going to turn up my headphones. Okay, go. I, I don't want this to oh, be. Oh Jesus, really loud now. Sorry, you you have an interesting life, which yeah. I think got a little more interesting recently. 
Yeah, they already know about that. I know that. My about point my is my conversation with Ed Asner. <laughs> okay, I was gonna... is that you? No, I I would never have that ringtone. Yes, I know. I'm stating the obvious. My point is, is that you you have this one life as a as a as, as some you know you're you're someone who's acting. Yes. Okay. And you're also somebody who's interviewing. And now you have a new interview show that you're gonna. Uh, we should start working on this fucking thing because I'm dead serious about it. Me too. I've been talking about it in public. Really? Not really. Yeah, I, I mean, think- like, I, like, like, uh, like, for instance, I met with um, with my new film agent last mm-hmm. night. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We where did- where where are they at? WME. William Morris and I don't know what it stands for. Endeavor, right? Yeah. They merged. So, but she's young and she's into it and she was asking me those questions, she right? cute? Yeah. yeah. She's asking me those questions, That's like, confusing. you know, where you see it going. It was, it was, it's okay. She's okay. young and I'm over that thing. The, uh, the thing where youth is just beautiful and intoxicating. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm totally over that too. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I said, like, you know, I, you know, I, I'm at this point where I, you know, I don't give a fuck about a lot of things, and I, I find freedom in that, and I, I'm kind of doing the work I want to do. Yeah. But I do, I think I should be, you know, writing and directing and acting, yeah. and and I think that uh, me and Adam Goldberg had talked about something. She went, I love him, and I'm like, well, I mean, okay, but but. <laughs> you do- <laughs> Okay, I mean, yeah, that could have gone one of two ways. Uh, uh, well, it could have gone one of three ways, really. Like, oh, that's one way it could have gone. <laughs> Another way it could have been, I love, I, I, you know, I, I love him. I think he's great. You guys are great together. A third way, you know, it sounds like that's the way it went. Right. Third way could have been like, oh, that show the Goldbergs is fantastic. That's great. You should because he's hot right now. He's got a show smart, on ABC. Smart writer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you guys can do a shtick '80s thing, maybe you wear funny sweaters. No, I like the idea we're talking about. I don't no, think we should talk about we it. We shouldn't. We should Only just say to ourselves. That perhaps it's rooted in some of the films that we loved. Yes. Uh, right. Growing up. Maybe? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. And um, smart. A lot, a lot of room for improvisation. A lot of room for improvisation. We're not sure. We're not sure who the good guy is and the bad guy is yet. But we're, we're both bad we're, in our own we're way. We're both flawed. Yeah. Flawed. Both flawed. That's what I mean. We're both flawed. flawed. We're, yeah. Um, and uh, and that we're. Uh, and we what, should we should also make clear that we're gonna we're gonna be playing British characters. <laughs> I thought, wait, I thought it was Cuban and, and Yeah, British. oh, that's right. You've, we can't decide who's going to do the Cuban. I'm not yeah. great with accents. I can kind of do this. <laughs> I don't know. Is that Australian or English? I don't know what it is. I can kind of do this. Yeah. yeah. That's like, yeah. yeah. What? It's not right? Well, it's not right. It's not right. <laughs> it's not right. How's your Cuban? Jeez, uh, I don't know. I think I'll just do a generic Hispanic. Just study it. Uh, Bring, yeah. And maybe you can do the sign language too. I could throw in some of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the fact is, we have had a serious conversation yeah. about working together. I yeah. think I think that people would support us in that endeavor. I actually really think they would, too. I don't think we should make it for tons of money or anything, nor no. do I think people would give us tons how of much, money. Oh, we got to get money from people? That's how it works. You know, no. just briefly. No, no, no. I, we're not. How is the baby and stuff? Really, really good. Kind of like, uh, you know, a little bit magical, I guess, well, at the risk of getting sentimental. Uh, yeah. No, I think that's, uh, no, it's, that's like one beat shy of sentimental. Magical. Because it's good. <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's 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 a beautiful moving experience. It's also really difficult. He's 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 uh he's very um he's like a he's like a big little boy and he's very active and he demands a lot of attention and he doesn't speak yet but he talks constantly. I wonder mm-hmm. where he mm-hmm. might have and uh, and so it's it, it demands a lot of uh, a, a energy, selflessness, uh, a certain degree of selflessness. How's that going for you? It's going. I, I would say uh, okay. So, so on a you, scale so of like you focus on the kid for his needs, and as soon as the kid goes to sleep, you turn to your wife and go, "What's this in my mouth?" Is no, no. I would say I would I would turn to her long before and, I go to sleep. 
before he goes to sleep. Oh, really? Yeah. No, shit. no, if it weren't for Roxanne, look, I had a, a moment the other day where I had, because uh, I'm doing press f- for the film and, and also for, for the Jim, James Gaffigan television program, mm-hmm. uh, sort of concurrently. And last week I had like a kind of a crazy thing. And I had an interview. I had an interview uh, that, that actually kind of m- meant something to me. It was like, I was like kind of looking forward to it, a phoner, but like something. With who? Uh, interview Magazine, but yeah. o- online. Or, sure. Right. And so um, it meant something to you because when we were younger, it was like that was a cool magazine. It was a thing, and we did yeah. a photo shoot. And to be honest with you, I haven't done a fucking photo shoot in a long ass time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's been a while. Felt since, like, like you were back in it. I was like, hey, it's real press, man. Yeah, I was yeah. like a little, you know, yeah, I yeah. looked kind of good in it. Yeah, you know, like yeah. somehow the lighting really seemed to. Which uh, pair of salvage jeans did you wear? I wore uh, WH Ranch. I'm wearing mm-hmm. them right now. They're mm-hmm. handmade by one guy uh, in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, named Ryan. Okay. So we have a, we do like a part time nanny thing, Roxanne is a graphic design firm mm-hmm. and she sort of you know was the co-owner yeah. of it and she uh comes home about half 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 of the day yeah and 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 is with the kid and and which has been kind of difficult this whole sort of nanny thing but we got like a, a, a you know we're uh, we're sort of on the fence about that but there was no other way between our schedules to, to deal with it yeah. you know but there was there are, but we've set aside a day where i i kind of nanny and then we have the weekend so it's like friday saturday sunday or whatever but um Interestingly, on those Fridays thus far since we've implemented this new plan, I've been busy each time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, on this one day last week, I had about an hour and a half where it was just me and the kid. Yeah. And she had to go yeah. uh, to work and the nanny's kid was sick and this whole thing. And it was- Did a, she I, have to go watch the nanny's kid? It was, uh, she, she, Roxanne went to go take care of the nanny's kid. It was a <laughs> fucking mess. And so uh, we, so I'm, so I'm taking care of them and it's like, it's kind of, it's not, you know, it's not, it's, it's not that difficult or whatever. Right. But some, for some reason- I, I was stressed out and everything was, and I was tired and I hadn't been sleeping. I've been going to bed at like five in the morning lately. Uh-huh. Well, as opposed to four thirty, Right. And, uh, and just kind of everything. It was like Mr. Mom. Yeah. Just every, I don't, we don't need to get into it. Everything went wrong. And, and it felt like she'd been gone a fucking eternity. Yeah. And I you know, and, and I, and I came back and I was like on the floor and my soak, my, my, and the kids like not in his clothes anymore, you know, because it's like he was crying too much to get him into an outfit. She's, you know, he's got his diaper. Yeah. Even the diaper was and sort of on half on and half off. Right. I'm kind of on the floor. You know, I'm doing my best at this point. I mean, yeah. luckily you play with a kid on the floor. Yeah. So it doesn't look horrible if you're yeah. splayed out on the floor yeah. next to your kid. Yeah. You could be playing with them right um as and, opposed to crying yeah <laughs> right weeping on <laughs> <laughs> my 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 uh, armpit yeah. and so uh she's like you realize it was an hour and seven minutes i'm like really <laughs> okay and so that's how it's going but i have to tell you and blah 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 i love this person yeah, more no, than i thought great. no you're i think you're but there's a period I, I will tell you early on where you where i was like yeah. i don't know if i'm loving him as much as everyone says you're supposed to <laughs> of course you were yeah and then I really, and then you do. It's like this crazy. Oh, so it happened. Oh, it's, it's, it's it didn't get to the point where you're like, I don't like it. I, I, I don't, know. honey. So here's the thing. I um, not only do I not love the kid, I, I just don't, don't like I don't, not a fan <laughs> of this particular guy. Another guy, maybe, maybe a daughter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's not happening yeah, yeah. with me. I think it'll be fine if you just <laughs> sort of pick up the swag. Yeah. I don't it, like yeah. Him. So don't I'm like going to um, just go on kind of like yeah. as, as, you know, Pretending business as usual. Like yeah. Anyway, um, no, it's 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 beautiful. Well, it well, it's nice. It's nice to see you. It's great to see you, Mark. Yeah, was that Cuban? It's great to see you, Mark. That's close. It's great to see you, Marco. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so in the movie, I play a one eighth Mexican guy, and I thought I was exaggerating because yeah. I, I was I always heard I was part Mexican, but like one seventy second right. or something. I discovered recently I am in fact exactly one eighth. I'm not bullshitting. That is a weird bit of prescience, yeah. you might say. Interesting. And there we go. Good You've, night. Okay. That's it. Um, I have to go uh, 
drop some knives off and pick up some boots. I got to drop some uh, some kids off at the lake, if you know what I'm talking Wait about. Because of the pineapple. Wait, what happened? Oh, really? Already? <laughs> well, I have a very fast house? system. I got a fast system. Is that going to happen in my house? Probably going to happen in your house or your driveway if I make it to the house. I'd like that. <laughs> if we do the driveway, let me have the Polaroid. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that fun? Go see his movie. Or, or de- It's available on demand. So see it in your house. No way, Jose. All right? So Ed Asner played my father in a pilot presentation of my IFC show, Marin, which I should take an opportunity to plug a bit. Which one is on this week? Oh, it's the one, oh yeah, where I go to the doctor, right? Yeah, Patton Oswalt's on it a bit. And uh, yeah, okay. Were y'all up to speed? Anyways, Ed Asner, one of the most defined, memorable uh, characters on television, Lou Grant, uh, several film roles, and also the Lou Grant show. Uh, But he is memorable in that he's fucking Ed Asner. I mean, fucking Ed Asner. He's like, there's no other Ed Asner. He's he's he's, He's hilarious, and you can't, I don't know. There's just something. He's just one of those guys where it's very, it's a rare, beautiful thing. The funny, cranky person that, you know, because cranky's not funny by itself, but there's a certain special cranky disposition that, that it's rare. And, and, and Lou Grant is one of the best characters at it. And Ed Asner as a person also quite good at it. So let's talk now to, uh, the uh, the amazing and um, what else? And he's the, he's he's the best. He's the best Ed Asner because he's Ed Asner. Let's talk to Ed Asner. You and I did a short pilot. You played my father. Yeah, and you yelled at me in the driveway. Yeah, and then uh, and then you were unavailable to do the series. I was. Yeah, unbelievable. You were doing uh, you were doing theater. Yeah, you had a theater run of something. It was not the FDR thing. It was something. Grace, else. Grace in New York. Yes. How did that go? Oh, it was very well, except a fucking hurricane hit, and they, then that was it. No, it kicked the uh, shit out of business for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But we were on a limited run anyway. Do you love doing theater more than anything else? No. <laughs> It's a lot of work, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of work. And, and there are a lot of conditions that uh, uh, I seem to solve filmic conditions more easily than I do theatrical problems. Well, you've been doing the FDR thing for a long time, right? Four years. Four years. I'm, uh, I'm about to launch into a new one-man show, though, that we tried out at the Falcon Theater last Friday. Went very well. What was that one? Well, Ed Weinberger, yeah, uh, um, uh, producer, writer of well, one of them of uh, the Mary Tyler Moore Show, wrote this um, semi-autobiographical one-man show uh-huh. called "A Man and His Prostate" <laughs> about himself. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a comedy. It's light, but it's also very instructive about your prostate. Mm-hmm. So this uh, we we learn. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You got to get that thing checked. Oh yeah, yeah. And you, you know, you you gotta find out the best way to keep yourself stroked. Yes, 
Yeah. yeah. Stroked mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And stoked. Uh-huh. So when you do FDR, did, was it was that a personal fascination? Yeah. Was he your guy? He was my guy. Has there been any other? I don't. I, I'm I'm younger than you, so I have very little recollection. I have I have very uh, vague memories of Nixon, and then and then I sort of remember things, and then I remember getting angry. Then that was <laughs> right. And you've been angry ever since. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I try to. I, I try not to get too uh, too too attached to that. I'm angry anyways. Yeah. With or without politics. Well, I I, I sulk. You do. <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of sulking. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No yelling. No, well, who's gonna who's gonna listen? Well, did you used to yell more? No, I well, I I talk loudly now. I'm naturally a little hard of hearing. Right. Last night we were at a uh, benefit at the um, club Nokia. Yeah. And um, my son and I, Matthew, he's executive or, or creative director for Autism Speaks, and we were both being honored mm-hmm. by um, Autism Works now. Mm-hmm. And Temple Grandin was there, mm. and uh, she was the the big guest. And uh, they, she was lined up with a bunch of people on the red carpet, and I decided to really play it up like a clown. I went and stood right in front of her, pressing her with my bulk, uh-huh. and um, blocking her from view of anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I then spoke loudly. Mm-hmm. And being autistic, she winced visibly in pain. Mm -hmm. And I realized what a schmuck I was for doing two things, my presence (laughs) overwhelming her and my voice wincing her. And I thought, being the father of of an autistic son and grandfather of an autistic grandson, I... I committed two of the most cardinal cardinal sins you could with an autistic person. Getting too close, overwhelming them with your bulk, and talking too loudly. See, because, but your first impulse was to be funny. Yeah, yeah. And then you learned your lesson right after. Yeah, I, I, I played the schmuck last night. <laughs> I, I, for some reason, I, I don't feel like that was the first time. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Am I wrong? I mean, sometimes comedy... No, when I worked with you on your pilot, that's what well, that was. His first there you go. That was I got it back. Yeah. He, he turned it around. No, but I mean, as a funny person, sometimes, I mean, sometimes you, you don't realize it you, when you go through the first impulse. Yeah. And then it's just sort of like, oh, shit. But, you know, when you're known as a clown in yeah. certain aspects, people tend to forgive you. Uh, much more than if you weren't regarded as a clown. Right. Did Temple Grandin forgive you? Yes. Oh, good. (laughs) After the I don't know. She could be harboring the greatest resentment in the world to me today. (laughs) After the wince, did she laugh at least? Did she? Nah, no. She she doesn't laugh easily. Yeah, yeah. She's fairly serious, I guess. So, like, how far back do your memories go? You remember FDR. Well, yeah, I remember. I idolized him. When you were a kid. Yeah, he died when I was a sophomore in high school. But like in my my uh, your generation, my my sense of it is is that th- this guy was a guy that really wanted to to help people. Yeah, I think so, and that and, doesn't. And happen. I think he learned along the way. I I don't know that he launched into uh, national prominence. He saw the problems affecting the nation, and everybody else saw the problems, but uh, certainly didn't think that they could 
employ the methods he did, yeah. which was socialistic, yeah. uh, which the American people don't understand. They don't even know how to spell it. Right. Well, they know the word bothers them yeah. for reasons yeah. that are that are not clear to them. They get it confused with communism. Yes. You know, they, they really do. So where were you at that time? Did you grow up in a, in a socialist background as, no, a, as no, a Jewish my, guy? My father was, was a junkman. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where? Mm-hmm. Kansas City, Kansas. How'd you end up in Kansas City, Kansas? I mean, Why I'm a Jew. Why ask him? I, <laughs> he, he probably told you. I'm a Jew. I grew up in New Mexico. People were like, when did that happen? How did you get there? Well, there, there were ancient Jews there with the conquistadores. Sure. Oh, with the uh, oh, from the Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Who, yeah, the the conversos. Yeah. That yeah. they didn't realize they were Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hell of a story. They got they got they got uh, Morgan Davids on their tombstones. Right. Right. Yeah. They and like they, light candles on Friday night. Right. But they didn't they didn't know they were Jewish. They thought they were no, some no. weird part of the Catholic Church. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful story. It is. It is. But how did you, you don't know how your dad ended up there? Was he first generation, obviously? Huh? Well, no, I, th- I think he ended up there like anybody ended up there. Yeah. Uh, he worked a year in the sweatshops in Boston. Mm-hmm. And, after, uh, he came, after he immigrated? Yeah. And um, my mother was starting to get ripe. Uh-huh. And uh, my dad came courting and um, he wooed and won her. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And how many kids in the family? Five. There's five of you. Mm-hmm. How many are around? I got a brother alive. Uh huh. He's six years older. Oh wow! How old are you today? Eighty-five. Pretty good. Oh yeah! Watch me leap this table. Yeah. I, uh... Oh my God! You made it. I'm sorry. I broke your floor. That's okay. It was worth it. So when did you? Uh, how how religious was the household? Very orthodox. So you wore a yarmulke? Uh, well, I caught no hell no. I call it Midwestern Orthodox. Yeah. Because my dad didn't walk to shul. Right. He, he drove. Right. But he didn't smoke on Shabbos. And um, we had a kosher house. You did? Oh, yeah. Two pans, two plates, two sinks, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. that? Not two sinks. No, no, we didn't have two sinks. But separate plates. Separate plates. It seemed like a big hassle after a certain point to keep a kosher home. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's you know how nice to have all the rigidity so that you got something to break away from. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's one way to look at mm-hmm. it. And it, what were you doing when you were a, a kid? Did you do jobs before you? I delivered for a. Uh, I got my Schwinn bike. Yeah. My first job was delivering for a drugstore. Yeah. That was up a long goddamn hill, and. Um, <clears throat> Uh, a Schwinn was not a fleet bike. Sure. So I was given an order to uh, deliver a, a whole bag full of, like a newspaper bag. Yeah. Of beer. Yeah. Uh, the, this dog store sold beer. Uh-huh. So I pedaled down the hill to this house, and um, I happened to, and they gave me uh, a bunch of empties to bring back, yeah. which I had to pump up the hill. Not anticipating. No. <laughs> and I said, "Why?" It, it just, you know, I thought it's strange that uh, there were closer drugstores. How come you, you you didn't deal with them? Yeah. When I got back after puffing up that hill, a little long hill, three assistant managers were waiting for me in their white coats. I said, what the hell did you say to that person? 
I said, I just said there are closer drugstores. Don't ever do that again. I don't know how much longer I lasted that drugstore, but it wasn't long. <laughs> You'd be honest. They, they, they screwed the business up. Make me sweat my ass off going up that hill. And when did you decide to uh, to be uh, an actor? Uh, after I tried out for and got the lead, ended up with the lead, in T.S. Eliot's Murder in a Cathedral in a summer production of the University of Chicago. So you went to University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. What were you studying in? Revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were ready to start. You were ready to lead. No, I came in there. I had a vague idea of political science. I knew they were good for political science. I uh, archaeology, political science. But weren't they on the? Wasn't there political science the department at, at later? Not not the good guys. They were not the good guys. <laughs> not the good guys. Who, who, who was it? George Schultz was there. Well, um, was uh, right. Who was he? Scalia your... came out of there too, I think. Right, and well, Milton Friedman, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, who was the other? The 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 architect of the the badness, Strauss. Oh, oh. yeah. I stu- I studied. Leo Strauss. Was yeah, that? yeah. Right. I I took social science three with him, which was mostly economics. Mm-hmm. I didn't pay attention one goddamn day. That's probably good. Yeah, <laughs> and that's when I auditioned for the play and got the lead. So I really didn't matter to me. Uh huh. And that was the first time he'd ever acted. Well, other than you know synagogue plays and little plays in school. Did yeah. you do Jewish theater? Uh, Did you do Hebrew plays? Uh, well, yeah, I was, you know, Haman. I was, yeah, but, I was Mordecai. I was all those. So uh, you were always a ham. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And this was the first big production. And, mm. and, and, and you were working, what was it? I guess it wasn't the the theater school, but it was the theater, the troupe, right? They did, yeah. They, they were all extracurricular. They, right, right. They didn't have a theater department. And that was what planted the seed where you were like, this is it? Well, I had done radio in high school and loved it. But I think, you know, it was Kansas City bourgeois. You, yeah. You don't make a living in radio. How do you make a living in radio? Right. Well, that, well, I'm certain the parents were probably like, what are you, what are you thinking? No, I wasn't thinking. Right. So they started a radio station at the dormitory in Chicago. And yeah. I decided to try out for that. I talked to my effete roommate who was from Newark. Uh-huh. And I said, uh, I did radio in high school. Should I try out for this? And he said, well, I don't know. Let me hear you read. (laughs) So they had given me the Song of Songs, Uh beautiful Valenti press of the Song of Songs, he and my other roommate, because they considered me a jock and they they thought they'd give me something contrapuntal. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, almost a love, it's almost a love uh, poem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful, beautiful stuff. Uh So uh, he said, let me hear you read. I stood at one end of the room and I read to him. And, of course, they thought I was a jock from Kansas. So they expected to hear a cowboy read. And after I finished reading, he said, where did you learn to read like that? And I shrugged. So after that, when he uh, came home one day and he said, they're going to do Word in the Cathedral uh, as a um, summer production. Mm -hmm. Check the book out, read it, read it. uh, You can do any of the roles in it. And I ended up doing Thomas. Were you a jock? I, I played football, you know. So you were a burly guy. You're like a... You're, you're 180, like a, I weighed 180. Yeah. 
So, so did you, you finish college? No, I dropped off because I became an actor. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That was it? How old were you? 19? 19. And where'd you go after that? Where'd you go first? Well, my funds were withdrawn because I'd started an affair with a lady in the chorus at the same time. So between getting sex and, and getting beautiful acting roles, I couldn't pay attention to Leo Strauss, could I? No. And your father said, fuck this? No, no more school. Right. So I came home and I had a couple of jobs, shitty jobs. And uh, finally, uh, friends were working on the assembly line at uh, the Buick Oldsmobile Pontiac plant in Kansas City. Yeah. I got a job down there as a polisher buffer. With the machine? Yeah. And it was an open shop plant. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, the conditions were brutal, especially for somebody who'd never really worked before. Had to wear a mask? No, no, I, I didn't wear a mask, but you, you're covered in schmutz. Yeah. So I had a Uriah Heap foreman yeah. who liked to pick on me. And <laughs> finally, uh, uh, he traded me off to another foreman, and I got along all right with him. I spent six months there. And in the meantime, uh, friends were coming from Chicago to say, go back to Chicago, and they want you to do Brutus and Julius Caesar. Really? Yeah. So, wait, who, like someone just came to you from Chicago a and friend, said, we friend. need you yeah. to yeah. be Brutus. Yeah. You're- so I went back trying to give false pledges that the affair with the girl was over with. And all that. To who? My folks. What were they, were they met? What, she wasn't Jewish? What was the problem? That she wasn't Jewish, yeah. And that was the problem? Yeah. Remember the old days? Kinda. Yeah. So I went back and I did uh, I did Brutus and became more disenchanted with her than I thought I had been. And uh, stayed on in Chicago and did all kinds of jobs there. I sold over the phone. I sold shoes. But you were acting still. Whenever I could at the university. But not you weren't enrolled anymore. No. You were just doing plays. Yeah, you could do that. You could? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my last production for the regular theater, which was Antigone. God, you uh, were doing heavy shit. Susan Sontag was his many. Really? Yeah. She had two lines, I think. But uh, She went a different direction. Didn't she? Yeah. I guess you could say I fucked up. How? As Crayon in Antigone. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Opened on a Friday night, and then we had a Saturday and a matinee and a Sunday and a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. So just before the matinee on Saturday, the uh, director of the University Theater comes down into the dressing room and he says, "You wanted to meet with us." Mm-hmm. And he turns to each one of them. He says, "You stunk this way. You stunk that way. You stunk this way. You stunk that way." And then he said, all because of him, pointing at me. Mm -hmm. I evidently had shouted my way through the play. I'll admit that's possible. (laughs) But that I forced everybody else to shout in turn and Mm. ruined the play. So I pulled myself back for the Saturday night and the Sunday performance. Uh And I was then exiled from that particular group. Then another rebel group was forming from exiles and, and those who didn't like that director. A rebel theater group. Yes. Yes. To perform an Ida Noyes Hall. Mm-hmm. And my first uh, 
My first play was um, Man of Destiny, George Bernard Shaw. Mm-hmm. And they were going to do uh, uh, Androcles and the Lion. Uh-huh. And Mike Nichols was going to be Caesar. So they needed a little curtain raiser for Androcles. Yeah. So they decided to do a 15-minute playlet by William Butler Yeats uh-huh. called Purgatory. Yeah. And I played the old man in that, and Mike Nichols directed it. So that was his first time directing? Yeah, I And think you so. were it? I was it. And did you guys remain friends? We were never really... We, we were acquaintances. He, he was in the Compass Players, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was there at the beginning of that. Were you there? Of course. Was that the theater? Was that the Renegade Theater Group that uh, that formed? Is that what became? Well, a lot of that. Uh-huh. Um, Paul Sills was a uh, member of that Renegade Group. Uh huh. And um, while I was in France, stationed in France during the Korean War, I, a couple of weeks before I, I uh, mustered out home, I got a letter from Paul Sills saying, um, "Listen, we're going to start a theater here. We're going to do classics and." Uh, and a, go- a new place, come join us. And my life fell into place. Wait, and what was that called? Playwrights Theater Club. In Chicago. How long were you in the service? Two years. Did you get, uh, did you see action? Not in France. Yeah, they didn't know that was the that's I the saw first. a different kind of action. <laughs> <laughs> did you learn how to speak French? Siete <laughs> mon. And enough. Oh, you take me for a fool? <laughs> <laughs> so you go back and you're in. You're doing plays with these guys. How how long were you there for with them? Two years. Okay, so you did two years, and then, mm-hmm. then what happens? You're like, I'm going to where? Well, I got great reviews. Paul was starting Compass then. Right. With David Shepard, his partner at Playwrights. And I, I didn't feel a nice Jewish boy would be doing improv. So I decided to take my great rave reviews. As an actor? Mm-hmm. So you know, say so they were going for improv theater. Mm-hmm. That's what the Compass players People's were. People's theater, they wanted. Uh, so it wasn't comedy necessarily. It was yeah, just, it did turn out. Well, Mike and Elaine came right. out of there. And Shelley Berman was there, too. Shelley right? Berman. Yeah. Mike and Elaine. Shelley Berman, uh, Barbara Harris. Uh-huh. But not Ed Asner. No, no. I later, when they... Um, when they came to California as Second City uh-huh. uh, to do their first uh, performance in California, uh, because I was such an old acquaintance, I, I worked out with them and had a lot of fun. And then when they had their 25th anniversary, they invited me to participate. Do you like doing improv? Yeah. It's yeah. fun, right? We're doing it now, aren't we? Yeah. I think I, 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 I'd like to think I am. Mm-hmm. I'm on mm-hmm. it. So where'd you go after Chicago? Well, I went to New York. I, I, I ran off to show my reviews to the uh, producers and agents of New York. How'd that go? Not well. <laughs> <laughs> what they didn't they didn't give you a they didn't say Broadway is yours. Well, I went I went to see Carmen Capalbo and Stanley Chase. We had done a pirated version of Three Penny Opera, mm-hmm. so I was supposed to understudy the police chief. Yeah, and then Leon announced that he was going to leave for a Broadway touring company. And I said, oh, shit. Right. I said, well, well we were friendly. Uh, he said, well, that's my role, because 
Peachum with my role, and and he said, I'll, I'll give my notice a, a week earlier, and tell them, recommend them that they try you out for Peachum. So he did that. I auditioned for it for the guys, and they brought me in as Peachum, and I did it for about two and a half years. Where and where was that? Where is it on Broadway? Theater Delice. Yeah. Yeah, the Lortel Theater. No. So it was. Uh, so it was, it was. That was spectacular, right? Was I? Yeah, I. Th- I think so. Yeah. And you had a good, And it got you in. Mm-hmm. You established yourself. I was making sixty-five dollars a week. That ain't every nothing. Goddamn week. Yeah. Yeah. How'd nothing. your parents feel about that? Well, they didn't. They didn't make any comment. They, they knew I was supporting myself, though. That's all it counted. Yeah. And when did you uh, when did you start doing television? I was doing television. You could do television if you gave them a sufficient notice. So you're doing some television in New York. Working my way up in television. Live television, yeah. probably. Well, it was the Sunday morning shows, Camera Three, Lamp Unto My Feet. What What would you do? Like what were the classics? Role? Classics. Really? Oh yeah. So you were mm-hmm. doing uh, Shakespeare, mm-hmm. Greeks, mm-hmm. Yeah. on yeah. television. Yeah. Live. On Sunday morning. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. Does that footage exist? Well, I'll go look. All right. But when did you start to... So what What were the, the rungs of the well, ladder? Well, my, my first camera three yeah. was uh, uh, a, a compilation uh-huh. of, of, um, of Elizabethan <laughs> poetry, etc., and I, and and Jackie Brooks and I were playing the old lovers, uh-huh. and a girl named Sharon Follett and George Papard were playing the young lovers. George Papard, Banachek. Yeah. Oh. So that was my, my my first show on Sunday morning. And when did you start sort of defining yourself in roles that you felt were a little more contemporary? In that, because I mean, you were, you know. You're a monumental figure Ooh-hoo. in television. Yeah. But like you're very specifically you, and I have to assume that in the classics, I mean, you were, I'm sure you're amazing at it, but at some point you, you started to chisel away, get a little more... Uh, My first big, big opening was with uh, Burt Leonard and Marion Doherty with Route 66. Okay. They hired me to do a Route 66 in Grand Isle, Louisiana, where Bruce Dern and I played Israeli secret agents. Bruce Dern? Yeah. And we were there because we had gotten word that there was a suspect Nazi working on one of the oil crews. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we came down there and we investigated and um, found out. And Lou Ayers was the suspected Nazi. Uh Uh-huh. And we investigated and found out that it wasn't him. It was somebody else in the crew. So I spent three days in Grand Isle and uh, insufferable heat and mosquitoes. And that started me with uh, Marion Doherty and Burt Leonard. You were all just young actors at some point and, yeah. you know, cutting your teeth. Was Dern intense then? Well, he was wild and crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so you so you move out here when? What's 1960 what? One. Two? One. One? Mm-hmm. And you've been here ever since? Mm-hmm. But you do a lot of television. Well, I have, you know. I mean, from the beginning, because most people know you from Mary Tyler Moore, but you were you were doing episodics. You were doing, mm-hmm. you, you did uh, The Untouchables. Gunsmoke. Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock, a couple times. Dr. Um, Kildare. Dr. Kildare. It's before I was born. Yeah. Outer Limits. Outer Limits. 
but so but you're working like a lot you're yeah. a working actor you're in the union things are going good mm-hmm. and you you know were you at that time did you want to break into movies was that the plan well, it, it, yeah you, you show me the door yeah how did that work i mean it took a while for you to get into movies well, I, I I did an early movie which Jeff Bridges, I think it was Jeff Bridges, was the star. Calvin Lockhart was the star. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That didn't go anywhere. I played a, a high school math teacher or something. I don't know. And then, um, and then in '65, uh, yeah, uh, Howard Hawks hired me for El Dorado. Yeah. And I went to Tucson and had a marvelous time with um, taking my family there. And I discovered Tucson. I discovered John Wayne and and uh, Robert Mitchum. And uh, you guys were hanging out. No, Mitchum and I did some. Not Wayne. No. How was Mitchum as a guy? He's a wild. Another one. Another wild man. Black-hearted. Yeah. A creature. <laughs> uh, he wanted more than anything to be a writer. Really? Yeah. And he was just stuck being a movie star. Yeah, it's all tough. Tough break. Too bad. Man. Yeah, right. But Howard Hawks <laughs> was that was that uh, an amazing day to be working with that guy? Yeah, he was lovely. Yeah. yeah. So all through this, but uh, well, I guess what I, I guess what's amazing, and I don't think that people really realize all the time, is just that when you work as an actor, when when. You, I mean, you really worked. You were, you were like, it seems like every, you must have been working every month, every week. Well, that's, that's the thing that killed me. We arrived in LA. Yeah. In in labor, on Memorial Day. Yeah. Of 61. And I then proceeded to get jobs from my agent. I was lucky to have. Yeah. uh, Jack Fields. Mm -hmm. And in that uh, seven months, I made more money than I'd ever made any year in New York. Yeah. The six years I spent in New York. So I, I felt we were blessed. And then by, by 62, we moved into a house. Well, this is house. with your first wife. Yeah. How many kids did you have? Three. Yeah. yeah. And you moved into a house. Mm-hmm. And you, you were, you, I guess you, you were a type. You were the Ed Asner type. People wanted you. Yeah, I suppose so. How old were you when Mary Tyler Moore uh, happened? Uh, that was uh, 70, I think. And how did that I come about? 41. Well, how uh, old? 41? I think so, yeah. And you'd already had a whole life of fucking acting already. Yeah. Like, I can't, like, like it's all these shows that, like, I remember from when I was a kid, you know, Mission Impossible, Ironside. It's crazy, man. Why is it crazy? The Mod Squad. Because, like, you know, like, if you were, if, if someone was to show me a real of your of your your small parts, you mm-hmm. know, leading up to, it, it would be fascinating to me because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of times we didn't have the opportunity. I would not have had the opportunity to retroactively look at your career. Like, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's like there he is as Mr. Grant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's 20 years before that mm-hmm. to look at all that work. Yeah. Do you consider a lot of that work uh, stuff you're you're proud of, or were you just working? Oh yeah. Oh I don't like to denigrate. I don't like to think in terms of take the money and run. Right. I like to make something out of whatever I do. Right, sure. Uh, and there were good roles in there. The Route 66 has always had promise. Yeah. I had a, did a dilly of a one on my way out to California. 
But it was a good show. And you love doing it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So how'd you get the Mary Tyler Moore part? How was that? How'd that evolve? Well, I, I guess they um, they had been doing some checking on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the producers asked uh, Ethel Winan, who was vice president in charge of talent, mm-hmm. can Ed Asner do comedy? And she said, he can do anything. And and she didn't know. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I'd done for her was nothing. Yeah. I garnished. And Grant Tinker was at 20th, and he touted me to uh-huh. the guys. I came in and I read. So you were a known guy. You were a go-to guy as an actor. Like, yeah, I yeah. I was one of them. Yeah. And I, I read Lou for them. And uh, at the end of it, uh, Jim Brooks said, well, that's a very intelligent reading. And I, as dumb as I am, I said, yeah, yeah, it, very intelligent, but not funny. And, <laughs> So he said, when we have you back to read with Mary, we want you to read it, Wiggy Wild, Fall Out, you know, crazy. I know what the hell he's talking about. You didn't? No. So I said, okay, okay. I started to walk out, and I turned back to them, and I said, uh, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Uh, why don't you let me try it that way now? And if I don't do it, don't have me back. <laughs> they never heard anything like that before. Right. And I had never said anything like that before. But said, well, we have another appointment, but all right, go ahead. So I read it like a Meshuggahner. Yeah. And they laughed. Yeah. They laughed. And at the end of it, they said, read it just like that with Mary. <laughs> I came back a week or so later to read with Mary. And I kept saying, what did I do? What did I do? How did I do it? What did we do? Uh huh. Started reading, and I read it like a Meshuggahner. And at the end, uh, they laughed. They laughed again. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, said, thank you. We'll be talking to you. And when I left the room, Mary then turned to the boys and said, are you sure? <laughs> and Jim Brooks said, that's your Lou Grant. Uh-huh. Oh. Are you sure? Jim Brooks, how old was he, 12? Probably. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And when you say Meshuggah, I mean, like, in my recollection of, of that work that you did, I mean, yeah, he was uh, a big character, but yeah. not crazy. Well, you know, it's, it's that bit about, you know what? <laughs> you got spunk. And she, <laughs> she diddles the shit on the floor. Yeah, and yeah. I hate spunk. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> so that, that was the wild and crazy part. So funny. Uh, is it like that was a funny moment just now yeah now did you uh, I don't like spunk though you do yeah we're your spunky guy no I'm not not at all no I I, I took years to build it up oh really mm-hmm. it was a learned thing mm-hmm. the spunk that is but did you grow to lo- I have to assume that that set because you know, it was like one of those things my mother would watch and I would sit there uh, you know at the foot of the bed watching that you know it, it was such a an amazing ensemble and was you know so important to so many people did you grow to love that show okay oh, yeah. yeah it was it was, a, it was a, the yellow brick road yeah yeah it was lovely it's so much comedy yeah where did all that generate from did you how did that you just began to work together like uh, comedically it did, did it take a little time well the two producers had great taste they had a good casting director Jay Sandrich was our director primarily, uh-huh. and he uh, he had uh, excellent comic knowledge. It's and just it's fascinating though. Does it fascinate you in retrospect? Yeah, but then then we went on and did an hour show of Lou Grant, and I think the cast we had there was as good, if not sure, 
better. That was a great show. Yeah. Both of them lasted a good many years. Well, 12 years total. For, uh, for both of them. Mm-hmm. People love that Lou Grant character. Mm-hmm. Do they still mm-hmm. come up to you now? Oh, yeah. And say yeah. Lou Grant? He's, he's the avuncular person that people always want. I, you know, I, I, like, I, I think you're uh, hilarious. Oh, yeah. But you know yeah. that, right? When did you think that? Immediately. Oh. When you said- When you cast me as your father and that Fablunge of the pilot? Yeah. And then when you got out of the car here in the driveway and said, oh, where the fuck am I? I think, uh, yeah. It was well, look at the neighborhood, for Christ's sake. Where do you live? Oh, yeah. you would really think you had died and gone to heaven. Really? Yeah. Got a beautiful place? Yeah, we rent. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. In an apartment or a no, house? A house, yeah. So you don't own the house anymore. Got rid of that one. Mm-hmm. Long time ago. Yeah? It's easier to I, rent? I, I let my wife have it. The first wife? Second. The second one? Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and you've been married three no, times? No, twice. Okay. She's the one who's suing me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they don't, they're, you know, after it's done, someone's not nice usually. Yeah. No. It never, it never no, ends. No. I'm sorry you're going through that. No, no, no. It's all part of the life spectrum. But like, let's back in the career thing. After Mary Tyler Moore, again, you did another you know forty years of work, fifty years. It's you you you've worked more than anyone I've ever seen. Oh well, it's amazing. Yeah, I remember seeing you in JFK and thinking like, holy shit, Ed Asner, scary. Mm Mm-hmm. That was a heavy fart. That was a heavy part. What did you say? It's a heavy fart, Ed. <laughs> that got you? That was a heavy fart. What a fart that it was. It was a heavy fart, all right. Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, and uh, Jack Lemon had the scratches on his face to prove it. Oh, that's right. Was that the first time you worked with him? No, we had worked on Broadway together. When was that? That was in 60. Really? Yeah, Face of a Hero. Albert Decker, Betsy Blair, Sandy Dennis, Russell Collins, Roy Poole. Did a lot of theater, Ed. Ellen Holly. I did before. Yeah, yeah, before. Not not since I came to Hollywood. Now, when you when okay, so then in 1960 you work with Jack Lemmon, then you work with him in JFK. Had you seen him since? I don't recall. Like I always assume that people have these moments where they're like, "Oh my God, how are you?" Mm -hmm. That's what it is. <laughs> you know, we had a we had a um, a great director for Face of a Hero, Sandy McKendrick. The night of the cocktail party before rehearsals began, he he said, a "Lovely reading," and uh, he said, "Of course, you can't be that funny." <laughs> and I, oh well, he's the great director; he'll take care of me. Yeah. Well, he so militated against anything I might do that was funny. He eventually had me. Doing my role with my back to the audience. Why? Because he didn't want me to be funny. Why? And the character could only have been written for two reasons, to be funny and to commit perjury uh-huh. as part of the plot. Yeah. So I I suffered through that goddamn show. Years later, I don't know where I, I ran into, maybe it was with uh, JFK. Yeah, Jack. And uh, and I you know, made some comments complaining uh about McKendrick's direction. <laughs> and he said, oh, no, 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 no. I I knew we were in trouble when I was on stage. And and I looked over in the wings, and there he was, 
and he was visualizing the camera shot he was going to shoot from the wings uh-huh. as director, and he was visualizing the camera. So he forgot about he the was play. directing a play. So that brought Jack and me close together. Did you like working with Oliver Stone? Yeah, he was good. The, Oliver was funny. Yeah, uh, we'd go along, and I, and we'd rehearse and. And I'd think about something, think about something, lining up a shot. Yeah. And I said, I'd say, you know, what if I change this word or change this line to that? Mm-hmm. And if he didn't have time to think about it, he said, "Yeah, sure, fine, go ahead." Yeah. But if he, if there was too much time, yeah, before we were ready to shoot, he'd come back finally and he said, "No, I don't, I don't think so. You know, keep keep it the way." Yeah. But so he had to sneak it in. But if I got him, if I got him without a lot of time, he'd always buy the changers. You're doing a lot of voice work now, and that was the the Up movie was a big deal. Yeah. Do you enjoy doing that? I love it. Yeah. Right. It's easy. I love voice. Right. That has nothing to do with easy, but I. I uh, but I it's exciting like to I see. I can do a, as good a job with just the voice, right? Without having to walk. <laughs> Right, I don't have to shave. That's right. I just, I just did a, an angry raccoon today. Earlier today, you did. Yeah, I was an angry oh. raccoon. They, Where can we see this raccoon? This is beyond Nickelodeon. Oh. This would be on uh, the Harvey Beaks cartoons, a new oh, Nickelodeon show. I don't know. That yeah, show. no, they, they, you know who knows yeah. what what's going on on television anymore. Well, it's nice that you're gainfully employed. I do okay. Yeah. This thing does okay out of the garage. Yeah. That show that you and I did, it, it became a show. It's uh, third season started. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's going? A, yeah. So who ended up being your father? Judd Hirsch. Oh, my God. What do you what, You were doing a play. I know. I know. I didn't run down. I, Judd Hirsch is a fine actor. He is. So he's good. He can be a pain in the ass, but I, <laughs> I, 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 fine. How, many, how many episodes do you make per season? We did uh, we did ten that first season, then thirteen the second season, then thirteen this season. Good. It was yeah. It, you know, it's a, it's it's an interesting time now that when you were on television in the seventies, you know, you only had three options, and now you got a, you know you got hundreds of options. It's yeah. interesting the, the landscape, and it's more chaotic than ever. Yeah, it's it, it just you know, how our lives are not made better or simpler. I don't think absolutely not. I don't think so at all. Yeah. And we just adapt to it without even thinking about it. Does it exhaust you? Yeah. It yeah. does? I haven't figured out all the aspects of my cell phone. No, there's no figuring it all out. Oh, some people do. That's all they do because they live and sleep and die with it. Yeah, but you just learn to do the three things or four that's things or five right. things that's you need. Right. To... That's right. So now, you never stop working. Is that, do, 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 do you not? Is that why I'm so rich? Yeah. You're just filthy rich. Oh my god! Now, how much? How much do you need? I'm okay. I just want you to be happy. Oh yeah, well, make me rich. When now? What about the uh, when you were head of the union? Well, how did that come about? What made you decide to do that? Well, I had campaigned vigorously for the rebels of the union. This is after, right? No, SAG. You were the head of SAG. Yeah. Because I I was the the uh, the head of Lou Grant, mm-hmm. and I spoke well on the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, they decided to run me as their candidate against Bill Shallert, who was a good president, but they wanted to do better. Right, and I defeated him. 
Was that exciting? Yeah, I guess because I was going into waters, I certainly didn't have charted. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, how was that experience? What did you? What were you hoping to accomplish? Learning on the job. Yeah. Learning how your friends can be as punishing, if not more so, than your enemies. So what was the day-to-day thing? What were you fighting for? What's the job of a union head? Or a, a, at well, this as, as always, you know, you fight for minority rights, you fight for senior citizens, greater inclusion. So you, did you feel like you accomplished something in that position? Well, uh, the membership certainly seemed to like me and, mm-hmm. and speak favorably of my presidency. Uh but what the union has become is uh, Drek. Yeah. Have they all become Drek? A well, lot of them? Probably. probably. What do you, why, why do you think that's happened? Because I know, you, you, you know you're a, you know, you're a fighter. Mm-hmm. You fight the good fight. What do you think's well, happened? Well, merger was a mistake. Yeah. Because they didn't... They, I mean, we, we had studied merger. After 1980, we studied merger. Uh-huh. And merger would be fine if you can achieve uh, uh, the 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 merger of of uh, health and welfare. Right. But if you can't merge those plans and and uh, and uh, I forget what the term is, gain acceptance uh-huh. of say your work in AFTRA and get credit for it with your. SAG medical plan. If you can't do those things, you're losing out all the time. And it's the same way with pension. Why shouldn't the pensions be merged? Right. Find the way to do it. Right. To coalesce. Right. And they didn't do it. Yeah. And what they've got now is a mishmash. Right. Yeah, you just kind of get covered in whatever you make the money. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Did you ever have any aspirations to politics? People thought I did when I was... uh, uh, when I got outspoken on Central America, uh-huh. they thought I was trying to follow in Reagan's footsteps. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, no, I never read it. I always found that the, uh, the actor who stayed the actor and spoke out probably achieved more clout. Than a politician. Than a politician. And, and, and certainly it's much more rewarding financially to leave acting and become a politician because those babies certainly receive great benefits. Yeah, they do. A, they, and uh, security detail, depending on how high up you get. Well, they should have security details. I'd like, like to knock a few of them in the head. Yeah. So what, uh, in looking back on the whole, uh, the whole endeavor, the life, what, because uh, I just like, I, I, I look at the resume and you work so much are there things that you look back on and think like Jesus Christ, that was fucking amazing? Mm. Like, do you do, like sit and reflect at all? No, you don't. No, I didn't think so. It's done. No, I'm, right? I'm waiting for the next job. Yeah? yeah. Well, it looks like you got a lot going on. What are you doing? Well, a man and his prostate certainly has a lot of promise to it. And you, but yeah, that's gonna get you on the road, right? Not necessarily. I mean, I who knows? Maybe we can film it. Maybe we can get it in a stage in New York. And, uh, and just hang hang out for I mean, a while look, and do it. Look, look, look at the mileage love letters got. Yeah, for God's sake. And you still you, you like working? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't you? Yes, but yeah. sometimes I wonder. Would it be nice to sit down? 
Well, I, I think I've, I've become too keyed up and geared up to sit down. I've really got to go through a long, uh, dry run of practicing sitting down. Yeah. You just, there was never part of your... your no. Just no. keep moving. Yeah. How old are your children now, all of them? Well, I've got boy-girls twins who are 51. Unbelievable. Yeah. And their younger sister is about 48. Yeah. And then I got my 27-year-old in uh, Connecticut. Yeah? Yeah. You get along good with all of them? I try to. Yeah? Yeah. uh, And you got grandkids? Seven. How's that? It's great? It's all right. (laughs) Come on. Come on. I I don't, uh, you know, drop my pants at the joy of grandkids. Yeah. It's just another sperm order fulfilled. <laughs> no. Yeah. You don't fill with love in your heart. No. But, uh, no? I try to be give them a fair shake. Let's put it that way. Okay. How old are they? They like my age? They're from 15 to about four. Four? 15 to four? Mm. Are the grandkids? Mm. Do they have a sense of uh, who you are? I guess so. I don't know. Oh, right. Yeah. You have any joy in your life, Ed? Well, yeah, but she's not around right now. <laughs> you gonna be seeing her later? Yeah, when she comes back from the ashram. Uh, really? Mm-hmm. Is that where she is? Mm-hmm. Do you keep in touch with any actors that you worked with? I mean, are any of your friends actors? Yeah, Peter Jason is a good yeah. friend. Yeah, I like him a lot. Um, and now all of a sudden I'm just concerned about your life do you play cards do you sit and do I do play cards at Norby Walters uh, yeah once a month or two when you play poker yeah that's nice yeah what do you do for uh, exercise I uh, spend a half hour on the um, elliptical okay and do some push ups do you yeah alright and what uh, you don't want to fuck with me no, I I never no. wanted to. Fight. I knew that yeah. when we acted together in that yeah. brief, uh, yeah. in that brief uh, capacity. Right. I knew I didn't want to fuck with you. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, do you do the JF uh, the uh, the FDR thing anymore? Or is that done? I'm going to do it in uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri, for how long? In October, one night. Oh, okay. As Rush Limbaugh's hometown, I'm going to find out what the roots are to Rush Limbaugh to the monster. What do you think it is? He said, well, I, I heard a story a long time ago that initially he was on radio right. spouting a liberal format. Probably. And that they came to him and they said, this ain't going to sell. Yeah. He said, okay, I'll switch. Yeah. He's a showboat. Yeah. There's all, you know, there are evil clowns <clears throat> and there are good clowns. Yeah. 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 Right? But you yeah. probably remember like, you know, like what was radio like when you were younger? When I you were, loved it. I loved it. When you were trying to get into it. NBC, I didn't try to get into radio. I never did. Well, you did some in high school and you did a little bit. I know, but I wasn't trying to get into it. Oh, okay. NBC University, Theater of the Air. Yeah. Escape was another great show. Yeah. That's where I first heard Leinigan versus the Ants. Yeah. Oh, God, was that great. William Conrad was the uh, narrator. Yeah. And they had little bugles blowing every time the ants marched. You loved it. Oh, the theater of the mind. Yes, yes. So that was when you were a kid, you were listening to that. Mm-hmm. Like, what other things do you remember around that? The radio. Well, the Screen Actors Guild uh, Presents, uh-huh. uh, Lux Radio. Yeah. 
I thought there were a lot of actors in radio, weren't there? Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah. That's true. I used to listen to The Eternal Light. Uh-huh. I don't know if you they, they, they were playing when you were on. And so when I first started out, I got a... Um, I was still in New York. Yeah. And um, I went to see the guy who cast Eternal Light. So. Yeah. And he said, yeah, yeah, I forget what his name was. So... Uh, they they cast me on a couple, and one of them, and this was memorable for me, I played one of Moses's generals, uh-huh. and the other generals were Louis Van Ruten, Alexander Scorby, Norman Rose. Uh, I can't remember yeah. the others. But five biggest names in radio. Yeah. In America. Yeah. And I was the sixth. Yeah. And I thought I had died and gone to heaven. To me, it was more important than any play or, or uh, yeah. film. And whoever was in it didn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Being with these guys, to me, was the mark of success. Yeah. Was it a great feeling? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. I mean, Scorby and Norman Rose. Yeah. Did you ever see the Russian War and Peace? Mm-mm. Norman Rose was the narrator of it. It's the most beautiful narration you ever heard. And Scorby, it goes without saying, was always great. Was yeah. that the only time you really felt that, where you're like, these are my heroes? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't feel it with John Wayne, naturally. And, uh, Hawks, though. Um, the Hawks, I, you know, I respect, but he, I mean, he's distant. He's the director. Yeah, sure. So, John Wayne, he didn't love. Well, uh, he was hard not to love because he's such a scoundrel. Yeah. But uh, I was uh, too deeply geared in leftist uh, identification to, uh, but he, he ended up treating me okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you missed the yeah. I mean, you you missed a blacklist in Hollywood. No, I I I became part of it my own. Let's say yeah. After I took my stand on El Salvador, uh, you felt uh, ostracized. Yeah, uh, blacklisted. Really? Yeah. But then that was in the what the seventies or eighties. Eighty. Uh, it was nineteen eighty. Yeah. And what was your position? Exactly. Well, that this government had to stop providing arms to the repressive government of El Salvador, who were killing uh, farmers yeah. and people that uh, they regarded as poor scum, who undoubtedly had to be communists. And that, uh, and that, you felt that 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 got you blacklisted. Well, I I was a spokesman for medical aid for El Salvador. Mm-hmm. And people thought I was giving union money to them, which I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And they thought that I was uh, aligning myself with what uh, probably was a communist-inspired uh, um, uh, opposition. I can remember the first big announcement we gave was in Washington, mm-hmm. at a press conference. And... Um, I had always played it careful, you know, yeah. not, not to, not to step on my wang, mm-hmm. and the uh, um, only I could, um, the um, the uh, so so that um, 
uh, because I was the spokesman and, and the others who were with me, who were also actors, uh, uh, the first questions automatically went to me. Right. So the second question I got was from a cable reporter. He said, you say you're in favor of free elections in El Salvador. I suppose those elections turn out a communist government. And I thought, bam! Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, and I said, you come all this way and and you successfully avoided being pegged and here you got to deliver. And I gave some wimpish answer to him, moved on to the next guy, gave an answer that I could get away with with him and was so plagued with guilt that I'd come all this way, come all this time, and I was going to not be up front with who I am and what I was doing. And I said, I wasn't satisfied with my answer to you. All I can say to you is that if it's the government the people of El Salvador choose, let them have it. And nothing was ever reminded to me of that answer. But I felt from that point on, my career was dead. For how long? Oh, several years. Really? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Did you feel like you lost friends over that? I don't know, but if they if if they were friends and they left me because of that statement, then they can go to hell. So, but but mostly in in, in terms of like if you felt like you were blacklisted, it was fear of the studios aligning themselves with a communist sympathizer or a politically lefty actor. I, well, I found two instances. Yeah, I eventually gave a, gave up during this blacklist. I, I gave a. An interview in Washington to see where I happen to be for some reason. Right, and in it I said that that in a blacklist, uh, your liberals join in on that just as much as your conservatives. Oh yeah, because the director, the producer, will, will they won't allow their conscience to say no, he's a commie. What they'll say is no, he's too fat or. <laughs> He's too gray, or he's, he's overexposed. <laughs> right. yeah, think up some euphemism uh -huh. to not hire me. Right. Uh, but they would never say he's a commie. Right. So I, I said that on that, and, 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 and it's, it's what happens. And I gave two instances, and one was a producer who one would think was was a was a liberal. Howard Rodman wrote a script for him for uh -huh. a new series after yeah. after Lou Grant was canceled. And he suggested me for the senior doctor. And the producer said, No, I think he'd be a political liability. Well that's straight. That's straight, yes. But it's It's blacklisted. It's blacklisted. Right. Yeah. Right. And then uh, a little while longer, and uh, I got a job offer in uh, Connecticut, I think, or, or Boston, I don't know, for some um, uh, network uh, documentary. And the first day the producer invited me to launch. He said, you know why you're here? I said, no. You, you gave an interview about six months ago, a year ago, on about blacklisting. And I said, yeah. And he said, that's why you're here. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I had, I had another documentary that I put you down for and submitted your name along with others to the, uh, to the uh, company. 
and the list came back, and there was a red line through your name. Mm. He said, and I knew why, but I didn't do anything, and that's why you're here now. To make it right. Yeah. Well, you survived that storm. You weathered it. You stood well, there, your ground. There, there, there's still people out there who probably wouldn't want to hire me because they think I'm a commie. But you're not a commie. I don't know. I'm not. But I mean, who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you're alive, man. Me too. And it was great talking to you. Good being with you. So that was uh, the amazing Ed Asner. Um, love that guy. I love him.